This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So again, in, at the beginning of Matthew 5, it says it right there. And Jesus, he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and I have to touch on who this he is. Because when he opened his mouth, let me tell you, they listened. And there was a reason why they listened. So who is Jesus? And simply put, for all intents and purposes, I, 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 out of everything I say, you, you need to write this down. Jesus is king. That's it. Simply put. Jesus is king. He's the undisputed champion. He has all listen, all power and authority was given to him by God. Everything he says is set. There's nothing you can do to block what he says. He's the righteous one. He's the good one. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the character that every man must carry. He's the pattern for every man. The everlasting father of a new creature. That's who he is. He is mercy. He is grace. He is the Lord of glory. That's who he is. But simply put, he is king. Hey, he's all that. But he is king. He is king. And I want you to recall a prophecy of a king. And we're going to go here. We go here a lot, but we got to we got to go here again because the king, let me tell you, the king <laughs> The king has something that he wants to give. The, the king has to increase his kingdom, and he increases it by something. And, and it's going to tie back to what Ms. Minister Stinson was talking about, because, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Because he is the king of peace. So if you will, turn to Isaiah chapter 9 for me. We're going to see why he's, what makes him the king. And we're going to read, of course, verse 6 and uh, 7. And it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom, to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, I just want you to see how it says, the, the government shall be upon his shoulder. And I'm so glad we, we get to go there because there's been a lot going on with our government this year. I'm going to tell, tell you like this. There's no tie-breaking vote. There's no bipartisan vote that's, that's needed. There's no cabinet that needed to affirm what the king said. The government shall be on his shoulders. Uh, because he's the righteous one. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulders. Nobody can block his rule. Nobody can change what he says. His word is true. His word is constant. He's the ancient of days. Nothing changes. Jesus the same. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. And what is it that this king offers? Well, it says that he's the prince of peace. He ushers in all forms of peace. He offers, he offers peace with God. And all forms of peace to come with peace with God. The peace of God. That's what he offers. 
And, and how come he offers this? Well, he is the gospel of peace. I want you to understand that. He's a, let me tell you, he offers himself. That's what the king does. He sacrifices so that we can have life. The king. What a merciful Savior. See, when I think of his goodness, when I think of what the Lord has done, the king. Listen, the king doesn't have to get down off the throne, but he did. And he offered himself. That's the gospel of peace. Let, let me put the gospel of peace in the, into words, and I've said it before. Here it is, because this is what he was preaching. This is what his forerunner was preaching before he came. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is the gospel of peace. Uh, listen, the gospel of peace says, listen, I have forgiveness for you. But you have to recognize the standard. But listen, I'm not here to condemn you. Repent. I'm bringing peace. You know, there's many kings and rulers out there that are dictators, despots. Not his, his rule will be by peace. And the Bible says of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. There will be no end to the increase of his kingdom by peace. No end. So repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and when you hear the gospel of peace, that's when you realize, my goodness, I'm a wretch undone. I need a Savior. And the Savior's there. He brings peace. He establishes his kingdom with peace. We're no longer at odds with God. This is what he's done. This is who he is. He, he came and put sin on, a, put sin on for us. Where he didn't have to. Uh, he who knew no sin, he put it on for us. Sacrifices like this. His nature was righteousness and holiness. But then he put on sin for us. Because he's increasing his kingdom by peace. <laughs> you, you know the way that pre- to, to pricks my heart is when I see you, you. Listen, you fight for me and I don't deserve it. That's peace. That's peace to me. He's the king of peace. He ushers in all forms of peace. And we have to remember, he's the only righteous one. So he's the only one that can be the king of peace. There's no other sacrifice that God will accept. Because God is only pleased with him. It was through his death and his sacrifice that we found peace with God. And here's the great thing about it. We didn't find peace with him momentarily. It's forever. See, the eternal king of peace. We found peace with God forever. Through Jesus Christ. So we have to realize that without righteousness, there's no peace. You know, Jesus Christ the righteous. Without righteousness, there's no peace. There's no peace with God. It's just words. You know, righteousness and peace, those are words, but they get their fulfillment in the king. Righteousness and peace are fulfilled in you through the king. Once you are in him, guess what? You have the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which brings you peace with God. It's fulfilled through him. He's the only one that could save you for eternity. You know, I, I was thinking about that. You know, he's the eternal king of peace. Plenty of people in this world today say, you know, I can save somebody. Oh, they saved my life. But this is temporal. Life here is but a vapor. But he can save your eternal soul. He can save you to the uttermost. 
Listen, I'm talking about peace forever. The eternal king of peace. But oh, what peace we often forfeit. We don't, we don't adhere to the descriptions and prescriptions that he gives us here in his word. He's the king of peace. And, and, and what's amazing is after laying his life down and, and rising again for our justification, he went on to do even more for us. I love how Minister Stinson, it was a couple months ago, he talked about Jesus, our high priest. Ever sitting at the, at the listen, making intercession on our behalf. What a merciful king. What a compassionate king. Ever sitting on the, always making intercessions for us. Because hey, he's the king of peace. Always. That's who he is. Let me tell you about his compassion. See, because Jesus doesn't get surprised or or bent out of shape when he sees the sin that you've been involved in. Let me tell you what compassion does, what Jesus does, what we should do, what compassion is, what we learn from the king. is he, he, He balances emotions. He doesn't respond from his emotions. Let me tell you what I mean when I'm talking about compassion. You think of the adulterous woman. Now, the priests or the Pharisees and the scribes there, you can already see they were responding out of their emotion. No, no compassion. I mean, let's stone her. That's what we have to do. But Jesus told her, tell I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. I forgive you. And he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Because here's the thing we have to know about a merciful Savior. He came to sit with the sinner. He didn't come to call the righteous. He came to call the sinners to, to repentance. He didn't come to, to, to heal the whole. He came to make you whole. And that's the realization we have to have. See, see oh, what peace we often forfeit, right? Great physician. The Lord of mercy. Full of compassion. The king of peace. That's who he is. And to the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. So if you will, turn with me back to Matthew 5. Because let me tell you, I could go on all night about who he is. But we have to, we got to keep it moving. So let's turn back to Matthew 5. And we're going to start from verse 1 again. And it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And the king opened his mouth. The eternal king of peace opened his mouth. So everybody's listening. Not momentary momentary peace. Forever peace. Everybody's listening. And he opened his mouth. Here's the thing about, I want you to understand, right? Because when he opened his mouth there, that wasn't the first time he was teaching the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) It's It's amazing, right? 
Like I said, if you check Matthew chapter 3 before, you'll see the forerunner saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you check Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, the next, the next book over, you see Jesus coming saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then when he gets here, after they do their traveling, when he gets here to where they are in Matthew 5, there's a multitude of people. You know why? Because they've been watching, they've been hearing, what is this kingdom of heaven he's talking about? Because he's been teaching it. That's why I love it. He opened his mouth and taught them. That's where we get our, our, our teaching methods from. We teach and we repeat until learning takes place. That's how the multitudes come. You teach truth until learning takes place. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. So they've heard about it before. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, come on and get some more precepts. Matthew chapter 5. Here we go. We're going to start here again. Verse, uh, chapter 5, and we're going to read into uh, the verse that I want to get to, verse 7. So I want you to understand, teaching is, re- is repeated until learning takes place. And he was preaching and teaching the kingdom of heaven. That's what he was teaching. I want you to understand that. They're saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And here he is telling them, here's the kingdom of heaven. And he opened his mouth, and the king, the eternal king of peace, opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, now, I'm sorry, I've got to stop there before we get to where I'm going, because we have to discuss blessed. I told you we have to cover blessed. And I love how, how Minister Martin and, and Minister Stinson touched on it. Yes, to be blessed is to be well off on the highest level. The highest level. To have peace. Listen, to have peace with God. Listen, to be blessed is to have that peace that we often forfeit. And here's what the Lord brought to me. Blessed is to be satisfied. Or made whole or complete. This is the state or the condition of the believer. Satisfied? Listen, let me tell you what that satisfied means. I'm indwelt by the Spirit because of the work of Christ. And I'm satisfied. Because you know what the Spirit brings me? The likeness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. See, when you, when you start getting to talking about the fullness and His grace affords you the fullness, you know, I, I'm satisfied. I'm blessed. Listen, uh, well off on the highest level for eternity. It's, it's that satisfaction being indwelt by the very spirit of God through Christ that satisfaction and it's amazing in my study time I started looking up this word satisfied to the Bible and just comparing it to this word blessed here and I found tons of places where the root word in the, in the original language was the same so I'm not going to take you to all those scriptures because I told you I, I found a lot but I am going to take you to three that, that pertain to this message let's turn to Psalm chapter 17 And this is David praying. And it's amazing what he's praying here. Psalm chapter 17, verses 15. Just one verse. And it says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be blessed. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. You want me to tell you what his likeness is? The kingdom of heaven. (laughs) That's his likeness. 
You will be satisfied when you wake and behold his likeness. You will be blessed. You will be complete. Turn to Psalm chapter 65. And I'm just going to read verse 4. And it's amazing that they use these two words in the same verse. It starts off and says, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied. We shall be blessed with the goodness of thy house. Let me tell you something. The kingdom of heaven is the goodness of his house. One more scripture for this, for satisfied. Turn to Proverbs chapter 19. And I'm going to read verse 23. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. See, you know what that's telling you? If you abide in the fear of the Lord, you're going to be blessed. Blessed are those. Listen, listen. Blessed, blessed are the merciful. The merciful are those that abide in the fear of the Lord. You will be satisfied. Complete. Turn to Colossians chapter 2 because I, I do have to touch on a little uh, a scripture on uncomplete as well. Colossians chapter 2. And I promise you I'm going to get to the actual beatitude I'm, that, I'm, that I'm doing tonight. But his word is good. God's word is good. So Colossians, I'm sorry, let me get there. Chapter 2, and I'm just going to read verse 8 through 10. And it says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. See, when it said that there, I immediately started thinking of how the Pharisees began to believe and how the Pharisees and the scribes were thinking, especially when he was talking about the, the Beatitudes. And he's trying to tell you, hey, beware. Vain deceit after the tradition of man, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now let me tell you what that word complete means. That word means, I have all the parts I need. Listen, it means, I lack nothing. I'm complete. It means... I'm satisfied. <laughs> That's what completing him is. See, our fullness of life comes from his fullness. In Second Peter, it says we take, we take a part in his divine nature. That makes us blessed, satisfied, complete. Now, now, I don't want y'all to get it twisted. When we take a part of his divine nature, that only means we're, 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 we become just God. We become like God. No. That means he's a sharer in his goodness with us. That's what it means. He's sharing his goodness with us. Uh, we've received the spirit of adoption. We're, we're, we're satisfied because we're indwelt by the spirit of God. We all gain our behavior and realize the truth of who we are by being in Christ the King. In Him do we live and move and have our very being. If you're a believer, 
That's what it means to be blessed. And we can't allow, like it said in Colossians, we can't allow man to turn us from the realities of Christ. If we do, that's when we start living by the letter of the law. That's when legalism comes in. See, I love we've been talking about crushing legalism. Because that's what the Beatitudes is about. It crushes your legalism. It really does. It handles all that. What are you talking about? I'm not killing anybody. Have you assassinated a man's character? Quit being legal. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Please. Here's mercy. Repent. Take peace. Don't forfeit it. So we begin to get into legalism. And like I said, those, those things crush legalism. One thing we have to understand about, and that's why I believe Jesus started talking teaching these things, you, you can't put on the, the new man until you're convinced that the old man is wrong. You won't put him on. With your legalistic ways. That's why he's not coming at you like a, like a dictator or despot. He's coming with peace. Because that's what you need. Repent. For he is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That, that's one thing as well. If you're convinced that you're doing good and you're doing right, you'll justify everything you do. And you might even try to use the scriptures to justify it. Getting into legalism. Crush it. Crush it. That's why this message is, is so important. God has been dealing with me so much. And, and it's not, and to me, it's not by happenstance that it happened during this season of our lives. It's really not. Right now is the time to be called to remembrance what the kingdom of heaven is. We have to judge ourselves by that standard. Examine yourself. Put off, the, put off the old works of the flesh. Put on what pleases God. Every area of our life has to line up with the knowledge of Christ. That's why when he spoke here, it wasn't just a regular man they heard. When he opened his mouth, they heard the declaration of a king. So now I'm going to go into, now that we know, what, we know who he is, and we know what blessed is, I'm going to go into my first beatitude. Let's go to, back to Matthew 5. And I'm going to go to verse 7. Blessed, satisfied are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. This one right here, I mean, I could, I could spend time on, on all day. So I'm going to start off with telling you what mercy, the definition of mercy that, I, that, that was brought to me by the Lord here in my study time. And all I did was think about the Lord. And these, these things just came to my heart. They came to my mind. So for me, mercy is unmerited compassion. And devotion that responds to and meets one's needs. Even though 
you have a right to punish them, and it's within your power. Uh, do you understand that, though? Where I deserve something else. He sent me unmerited compassion. Devotion. Devoted to someone who sinned against God. I didn't say devoted to the sin. Devoted. Even though he has the right to punish me, he chooses mercy. What a merciful God. See, God has the right to punish every man for all of sin. He has the right to. But I'm so glad he hasn't dealt with us according to our sin. I'm so glad. Uh, because let me tell you something when you confront a holy and righteous God with sin and evil all you get is wrath that's all you get from a holy and righteous God but mercy refused <laughs> the, uh, mercy is God extending his kindness I tell you the, the kindness of the Lord is just sometimes you don't even have the words to say Let me tell you what his kindness did. He said, you know what? My love and my forgiveness comes before my wrath. That's what his mercy said. He put a pin in that. Because it's time for mercy. <laughs> That's what I want you to understand. God's not willing that not one man be lost. Not one. So that if you're weary, if you're heavy laden, come. Because he's willing to forgive all those that come. And I'm going to get to it, but we have to talk about the mercies of our God. First and foremost. See, the merciful must be rooted in forgiveness. Because as we can see from God himself, forgiveness, what forgiveness does, let me see how I can put this. Forgiveness makes way for your mistakes. It makes way for your, your faults, your errors. See, that's what, that's what you have to understand about uh, uh, God's great mercies. They make up for our failures. This is what you have to understand about God's great mercies. They were before the foundation of the world. Listen, he didn't bat an eye when he created man knowing that they would choose to sin against him. He didn't bat an eye. As a matter of fact, his forgiveness was sent before the foundation of the world. What a merciful God. What a merciful God. Uh, what he wants you to do, see, he, because he knows man's imperfect, he says, you know what? I want you to learn obedience. I have something for you. I'll give you forgiveness so you can learn obedience. That's how you're going to change. I make way for your faults and your shortcomings so that I can straighten you out. You know, I began to think of, you know, something, how can I make that make sense? And so I began to think of, you know, I play, I play the drums in uh when I play, especially because of sticks of wood, 
You know, I, I get calluses, my skin starts coming up, and sometimes my skin comes all the way off my hand. And that's because that's the way I play. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you ask a professional drummer, they'll say, a lot of them will say he plays the wrong way, right? He has a failure. He plays the wrong way. And, and then here's the thing, though. Some years that later after I started playing, there's a stick manufacturer. And they started making sticks with pads on the handle. You know, so for my unforgiving plan, they gave me a forgiving stick. Something that would adjust to me so that I would learn how not to hurt myself. That's, that's, that's what God did from the foundation of the world. Because he loved us. That's the love of, that's the mercy of our God. A merciful God. See, it's forgiveness that puts me straight with God. He'll give you, just like, the, it's the, just like the forgiveness stick, it's forgiveness that puts me straight. He said, now, let me correct you. I forgive you. Let me correct you. And now let's fix that and go straight. He allowed room for our errors and failures because he's a merciful God. And let me tell you the real merciful, the, the, the real merciful part about it is, we couldn't earn his forgiveness. <laughs> What a merciful God. We could not earn his forgiveness. He gave it to us through Christ Jesus. That's God's mercy towards us from the foundation of the world. He gave it to us. He's given us, he's given us hope and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. This is the gospel we've received. But if we, can't, if, if, if we can't forgive, if we can't have mercy, how can we preach that gospel of peace? With conviction. How can we obtain mercy? How will the earth see your faith? Where will the hope come from if not from the believer? I want you to understand what his mercy has afforded you. Because without mercy, there is no hope. There's no hope for you. There's no hope for me. There's no hope for whoever we think don't deserve mercy. There's no hope without his mercy. We always have to remind ourselves of the mercy we received as the source and motive of the mercy that we show. Uh, let me say that again. We always have to remind ourselves of the mercy that we received as the source and motivation for the mercy that we show. Then, you should also look forward to the mercy you yet need. See, that's the merciful. That's obtaining mercy. I don't want you to think we've arrived. You haven't got all the mercy you needed and that's it. No. No. And again, by him being, by, 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 by the Lord being merciful, he awakens a, a compassion in us towards our fellow man. Because now we see Nobody deserves it, but everybody needed it. And God freely gave it. Mercy, forgiveness from the foundation of this world. So 
So as far as our attitude of mercy or forgiveness toward one another, we should always be willing to forgive. Always be willing to forgive. Always willing to show mercy. Because satisfied are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You see, I love how it says obtain. When I see that word obtain, I start to think of like a race. (laughs) Blessed are the satisfied, for they run this race with endurance to obtain mercy. got to remember we needed mercy we needed mercy for our sin for our misery we have to always be ready to forgive always ready to have ready to have mercy he gives us brand new mercies every day <laughs> every day And I'm so grateful for that because I see him and I recognize him. And I'm so thankful for his mercies that every day because if not, I might forget and not obtain mercy. Because it's real easy and real quick, especially in today's world, especially with the things that are going on, to forget mercy. We can go back to the winter storm. I was, forget mercy. Let me who I can talk to. We can go back to January 6th. I wanted to see every single racist person up there. Forget mercy. You know, like, 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 the, like the scribes and Pharisees wanted to stone the woman. But blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Because we're going to see how we should be merciful and forgive one another as believers. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to start at verse 31 and read all the way through chapter 5, verse 1. So just three verses here. And it says, Let all bitterness and wrath Anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Now I'm going to address all of these things here, but I want to go through those things that we have to put away. Because I'm going to tell you, if you have these things, the things that they told told us to put away... You're not going to be merciful. You're not going to be forgiving. Uh, listen, you're not going to be blessed. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. <laughs> and when you read these words here, you can see, yeah, you have no peace with bitterness, with wrath, with anger, with malice, with clamor, evil speaking. You have no peace with them. So let's see what it says here to put away. Let all bitterness... And bitterness simply is resentment towards your brother or sister. Because you think you've been treated unfairly or you think you've been done wrong. And then you also start to show this bitterness that it's talking about here. 
you start to you start to show it in your spirit and in your speech. The things you say. Stuff you say to yourself in your head about an individual. They did this to me. They did that to me. Uh, if you work with them in any capacity, you may, you may try and watch them and hope that they fail. Instead of helping them. That's, that's bitterness. That's resentment. You say things that show how bitter you are. Yeah, I don't think I'll do it this time. Because you remember what, remember what happened last time with us when you was there. That, that's, that's bitter. That's resentment. There's no mercy in that. Being bitter has just been the total opposite of kindness, which is a key element of being merciful. It says, let all bitterness and wrath. Now, it's kind of hard for me to explain wrath, but wrath is... is where I consider tenderhearted a passion for kindness, I consider wrath a passion for harshness. So for me, tenderheartedness and wrath are kind of like the, the opposites of each other. And this is what I kind of did through all these things. I found the opposites of, the, of each other. And, and, and funnily enough, or not funnily enough, I knew it was going to happen. The opposites fall right under the roots of mer- what you need to be merciful. So with these things, you cannot be merciful. That's why I said you have to put away these things, then be tenderhearted and forgiving to one another. A person that that has wrath is oblivious and and indifferent to the people and their thoughts and the way they feel and their words. I'm just going to do what I I do. I'm going to be harsh. I'm going to say what I say. I'm going to believe what I want to believe. And that's the end of it. No, they, they, and it goes hand in hand with them other with bitterness. You have bitterness built up, you're going to start being harsh. Like I said, it seeps into your, your speech. And the things you start saying become harsh. The things you start doing become harsh. Never sympathetic to one, to anybody else's circumstances. Always make it, yeah, but this happened to me though. This is what's going on with me though. Not tenderhearted. That all bitterness and wrath and anger. Now anger, like I said, these all go together. Because anger is where you sit and let that resentment last. You know, that bitterness, you've let it built up. Now you're mad. And, and when you're angry, let me tell you something. Nine times out of ten, well, ten times out of ten, when you're angry, you're never going to turn to forgiveness. Ever. That's the opposite of angry. Forgiving one another. You're angry, you're not. Listen, I don't even want to see them. Because something else might happen. Even if you're angry, you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to make it amicable and go talk to them. You're going to go start a fight. That's what anger does. C- could you imagine if God would stay angry at our sin? It, it, there wouldn't be an eternal king of peace. We wouldn't be satisfied. There wouldn't be mercy. Wouldn't be forgiveness. Uh, I think I, you know, I think of that song. I don't know if y'all remember from that. What if God was one of us? Oh, woo! We'd have a problem. A big problem. Uh, let me tell you. 
where the Bible's God, woo, some of y'all have a big problem. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> That's why, listen, I, I have to come to the obedience of Christ too. God is working on me too. But could you imagine him stand angry at us? Oh, oh, we'd be undone for sure. We would surely have no hope. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. Now this is a little bit... And I hope you can understand it's a little bit wonky trying to explain because, you know, you look up the word clamor, you hear loud noise and things like that. But what it's really talking about here is the confusion that you cause. These all go hand in hand. That's what's so amazing with me. When you get angry with someone and you hold on to that anger and you never forgive them, and you, you, you take that anger into other relationships. And because you have this anger on you, you might approach this person one way angry and they're like, I don't even know what's going on. Something else is going on. And then you are like, well, why are they acting this way with me? I don't know what's going on. I'm not mad. I'm this and that. And you confused. And things are just out of hand. That's clamor. Confusion. And that type of confusion leads to more confusion, more anger, and more drama. Doesn't lead to forgiveness. A whole bunch of Arguing and talking, but no communication, actually. That's what clamor is. Just noise and confusion. And then it says evil speaking. And like I said, these things go, they go hand in hand. Now, evil speaking, it's, it's more of a, a constant slander that you've got to say about them. Insinuations, assassinations of their character. Listen, thoughts of doing wrong put into words. Put it, just put in the words. But see, that always precedes the last one, which is malice. See, that's when you take those words and you put them into actions. You, you, you intend ill will to somebody. You intend evil to somebody. That's what malice is. And to be honest with you, you know, malice can be at the root of all of them. Because <laughs> if you put away with malice, you'll give way to walk in love. And forgiveness. When you stop intending to do somebody hurt or doing somebody harm, you make way for love. You make way for forgiveness. But this is all done through Christ. That's how we replace that old way. That's how we put on the new man. We have to renew our mind. We have to walk in the spirit. We have to worship in spirit and truth. Because we're blessed. We're indwelt by the Spirit. The very Spirit of God. So we have to be kind and tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. As God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So I, I, that, just, that makes me remember what I said earlier about Jesus being the compassionate one. He's not worried about what the sin that you've been involved with. The things that you've seen. His forgiveness was before the foundation of the world. And, and listen, that's how we have to be. You know, we, we, we call ourselves getting sinned against and now you're, you're God. I'll, I'll condemn you. I'll never... Do. No. 
Because blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. Turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And I am going to start at verse 36. I'm telling you. Oh man, I'm telling you. The, the, The word of God is so alive. That's why you can be blessed. That's why you can be satisfied. That's why when the king declares these things, you better listen. Luke chapter 6, verse 36, and I'm going to read through 38. It says, Be ye therefore merciful, as your father also was merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall man give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, withal, it shall be measured to you again. So, let me go ahead and clear something up. For a lot of people used to think that's a scripture on giving, on money. No, that's not about money. This is about the way you treat your brother. That's what this is about. And from this scripture, you can see that forgiveness flows from this attitude. And I'm going to give you four things, and you can write them down. From this attitude, I am unwilling to hold against you what you did to me. Uh, You know, he addresses this in Matthew as well. As a matter of fact, he addresses it in Matthew, I believe it's Matthew 5, it may be the same, but it's not an eye for an eye. That's not merciful. Listen, that's not of the kingdom of heaven. So I have to be unwilling to hold against you what you did to me. You know, as my heavenly father has forgiven me. Number two, I must do unto others as I would have them do unto me. That means I have to be merciful. I have to be kind and tenderhearted. I have to let go of bitterness. I have to let go of malice. I have to let go of wrath. I have to let go of all of that. I have to put it away. Forgiving one another. As God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven me. Number three, and I said this before, but I'm going to say it again in case you didn't write it down. I must always be ready to forgive. See, that's that's all said here in the scripture. This this is the attitude that flows from forgiveness. I have to always be ready to forgive. And the last thing, and, and you have to keep this on your, and we were talking about it before, I am forgiven. You have to always keep those four things on your mind when dealing with forgiveness. I've been forgiven. There wasn't, there wasn't a sin so great that I couldn't come back from. He came for me. He came for you. We are forgiven. So if we're to be blessed, 
satisfied, well off on the highest level, keep the peace of God, we're going to have to take the, the, the old man's limiters off of our forgiveness. Because if you want me to be honest with you, forgiveness has no limits. Oh, oh. Man, now that would be something for those that aren't blessed. That aren't satisfied. But forgiveness, listen, God's mercy has no limits. I can't hold a grudge against my brother. I'm running out of time. Do I want to read this or do I want to summarize? Let's read it. Let's take our time because these things need to be taught out line upon line and precept upon precept. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to take our time. You know why? Because blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. See, Jesus, he wants you to, he wants you to have peace for eternity. He is the king of peace. The eternal king of peace. And he's saying, if you want to keep this peace eternal, then you have to be merciful. Otherwise, oh, what peace we often forfeit. My God. Uh, listen, this is, this is so good to me because he doesn't leave us wanting. That's not what he does. He doesn't say that's not right and doesn't give you the answer. He said, but this is the believer. This is what I've called you to be. Satisfied and complete in Him. So Matthew chapter 18, and I'm going to start at verse 23. Very familiar um, parable that, the, uh, that Jesus actually was teaching about the unforgiving servant. And I'm going to read at verse 23 and probably through 35. And I'm probably going to end up closing with this tonight because that time has run on me. But, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king. See, I'm going to tell you right now, he's telling you from the jump, this is the kingdom of heaven. This is what's at hand. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which will take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon one was... When he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. Now, everything was required of him right there. Everything, you got to pay me back right now. The servant fell, therefore fell down and worshipped him. Verse 26, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. And I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. See, that just that reminds me of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? It doesn't matter what you owed. It doesn't matter what's due. If you call to him, like I said earlier, ye that are heavy laden, ye that have burden, call to him. Call to him. His forgiveness is there. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him 
and took him by the throat. Are you kidding me? Now, now those, those acts right there show you. Listen, I saw, I saw bitterness. I saw anger. I saw mal- Wasn't any tender, tenderheartedness? Wasn't any love, any mercy, any kindness, any forgiveness? He put his hands on him. Took him by the throat. He, you know, if somebody does that to you, your life feels threatened. Let's be, let's be honest. If you, if you jack me up and you got my, your hand on my throat, well then it's something different now. After he just received mercy. Pay me that thou owest. And, and it's funny, it wasn't nowhere near to what he owed. But nowhere near to what he owed. But what do we say about that about that wrath? You have no indifference or, or no you're oblivious to, to what they're feeling and what their situation is for me. Not merciful, not compassionate. At all. And his servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. He I mean he came at him verbatim the same way as he. The exact same thing. Surely he should have been called to his remembrance the mercy he just received if he just said the exact same words you did. And he would not. Verse 30. But went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, now I don't know how things go back then. But for me in this, in this day and age, if I owe you something, if you throw me in prison, you ain't getting it just unmerciful until you pay this debt well I can't even go out to make anything sitting in prison but I felt that I'm owed something and I have no mercy so what, instead of mercy I'm, what, what did Jesus say I came to, to, to bring mercy not sacrifice but here this person came for sacrifice not mercy I know you don't have it and I'm not giving you mercy so what are you telling me See, I'm so glad God is not like that. I'm so glad he didn't, you know, when I was born, he was like, born in the sin, X. Born in the sin, X. I'm so glad. Verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that had call, he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou have been compassion, I'm sorry, had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. <laughs> it's, you know, that's how the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. He got mercy, but he didn't obtain it. <laughs> he did not obtain it. <laughs> oh, what peace we often forfeit. When we don't adhere to the the prescriptions that he has given us as believers. 
He tells you clearly, listen, I'm going to read 35 again, and then I want you to note the color that this, this ink is in. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. If you call yourself a believer and defile my gospel of peace, which there will be no end to the increase of my kingdom by peace, if you do that, you will not obtain mercy. You will not. Because it's from your heart. See, his heart showed quick. Oh, I got out. I'm mercy. Now you need to come pay me. Now I'm back on top. Because of the mercy of his Lord. See, that's what you got to understand. The only reason you are who you are and where you are and what you are today is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never think too highly of yourself. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And we're going to stop here for tonight. Stand to your feet, family. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.